Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today, really, I'm going to begin just a quick little mini-series uh, on next steps. Uh, I'm so proud of y'all. Uh, many of you have been in our next steps uh, class before. You've gone through that, and you've heard about just really where to go from where you are to take that next step. Uh, like when you go to some of the bigger malls in Dallas, we used to live there. Uh, there was one store in particular that Kelly wanted to go to, and uh, I had never been to that mall before, and I walked in. Thankfully, there was the big thing on the wall. It had the map, and it said, you are here and had the map how to get to there. And uh, that's what we uh, really want to chart out for you here in your next steps with Jesus. And we're here just to walk along, alongside of you and help kind of navigate that for you with the help of the Word of God. And so today, I'm going to talk about one of your most important next steps. And then next Sunday, we're going to talk about um, small groups and how you can get involved in a small group. And let me just say this. It is the will of God that we walk with other strong believers. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all know that there's power in walking with other strong believers? How many of y'all know that from experience? Well, if you don't know that yet by experience, uh, hopefully you will soon. And uh, so that's coming up next Sunday. But today, I want to talk to you about uh, this very important next step that I know... <clears throat> Many of you have already taken. I, I know that. I know that many of you uh, here have already been baptized. But some of you haven't been. And hey, if you haven't been, uh, no condemnation. I don't want you to feel pressured or coerced today. But I do want you to hear as I preach on the power of water baptism and what it means. Because let me just say this. I can say this with the authority of the Word of God. It is God's will for every Christian to be baptized. Now, you've got to make the decision. You've got to see it in Scripture. You can't you know, just do it because I say. You've got to see it in Scripture. And so uh, some of you have been saved a long time and you haven't gotten baptized. Today is the day for you to do so. Some of you, well, you're brand new to the faith. Like, you're brand new. And maybe you didn't know your next step is to get in the water. Well, today I pray that's the case. As a matter of fact, last service, uh, we had those who have already signed up. They got in. But spontaneously, we had people who got saved and then just said, I'm ready to get baptized. And they got out of their seat. We had shorts and everything ready, and they got in the water. So before I get into this message, can we publicly recognize and honor all, all those who have already decided and the ones who got baptized? So proud of y'all. And I'm speaking here in faith of those of y'all who will decide during this service. Uh, but go ahead and if you, if you have your Bibles or your phone, your whatever device, turn to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to have all the scriptures up here on the screens behind me. But I want you to lean in and I want you to hear the words of Jesus as I read them. And I want you to take this to heart. This is Jesus essentially calling uh, his holy huddle, his disciples, if you will, right before he goes to the Father. And here is what Jesus says to his team. He says in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. Actually, let me just read this, uh, this verse. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What's it say? What does he say? What's the next word? <laughs> Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, these are Jesus' words, again, to his disciples. If you just picture the huddle, <laughs> this is Jesus giving the, the final plays. These are the final plays to run to the end of the age so they see him again. And part of the, the play here is, well, first of all, he says, go and make disciples. Don't just, you know, create crowds and form crowds, but make disciples. Preach the gospel, and essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, tell people to, to follow me. To walk in relationship with me, make disciples, spend time with them, pour into them as I poured into you, essentially is what he's saying. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations. How many of y'all know at Midtown, at Our Savior Church, we love the nations? Three of y'all know that. How many of y'all know we love the nations? From all the nations of, uh, 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 under heaven, we, we love the nations. We love racial diversity. We love ethnic diversity because how many of y'all know Jesus loves it too? How many of y'all know Jesus shed his blood for every tribe, language, people, and nation? And so he says, go and baptize them, all nations. And he says to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the, you say it, and the Holy Spirit. Go forth and, and baptize them in this way. And so this is important to Jesus, of course. These are some of his final words, not his exact last words, but some of his, his final words before he goes to the Father. But what I want you to see very clearly is this. There's a lot of confusion about what baptism is all about. Some of you, perhaps you were baptized uh, as an infant. Some of you were baptized very, very early on in life. And I want to respect the tradition that you come from. I'm not here to bash anyone. But according to the Bible, well, baptism is something that happens for people who can profess faith in Christ. And I want you to consider this with me as I walk you through Scripture. I don't want you to do this and believe this just because I'm saying it. I want you to see it in Scripture. How many of y'all know God's Word has the final say, not Scott Adams? And so I'm going to do my best to just teach on this just for a little while. This isn't a, a huge teaching. There's way more to say, but I want to lay a foundation for you to understand what happened when you got baptized as a believer. And I want you to understand today, if you're not one yet, as you become one by faith today, what happens when you get in that water. But if you're taking notes this morning, if you, if you can, write this down. The, the first thing that baptism symbolizes is this. Baptism, number one, it symbolizes, that is, it stands for your cleansing, your cleansing through Jesus Christ. And I use the word here, symbolizes, on purpose. I think you all know what a symbol is. A symbol, very simply, is something that stands for something else. We say that something is symbolic. It's, a, it's something that stands in place to point to something else. And so when you get in the water, well, it's symbolic of something that's happened in your life and something that's happened in your life that is absolutely supernatural in nature. And let me say this to you. Maybe you were not aware of this. If you are a believer, it is because God has turned on the lights in your heart. He has supernaturally, spiritually raised you from spiritual death unto spiritual life. Did you know that? Maybe you didn't know that. But when you got born again, God exercised supernatural power to raise you from your spiritual grave. How many of y'all know that from experience? Yeah. If you don't yet... My prayer is that you will. It's a supernatural transformation from the inside out. And so this is the way it works in Scripture. Let me, let me paint a picture here. The Bible teaches that we are all born 
in Adam, under Adam, meaning Adam is the head of the human race. How many of y'all know, thinking about Adam, well, Adam is the one through his sin who broke the human race. So we're born in Adam with the guilt of Adam, with the sin of Adam. Thanks, Adam and Eve. Uh, It's been passed down. We're all born into this world, cute and cuddly, but the Bible teaches that we're all born spiritually dead, spiritually dead. And so think, think in these terms. We are born into this world in Adam, through Adam, under Adam, but by the grace of God, we are born again into the family of God by the grace of God, by the blood of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you're all, we're all born in Adam, but we become born again through the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus Christ. How many of y'all are thankful for the last Adam who came to fix what the first Adam broke? <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, this is the picture the Bible provides. You can check it out in more detail in Romans 5. But sin, sin is the problem. Guilt is the problem. Shame is the problem. Thank God for Jesus who came from heaven to the earth to solve these problems that we face. And here's what I want you to see this morning. The Apostle Paul makes this very powerful statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to listen carefully to the language here. This is obviously not me. This is Paul. And I want you to lean into this. Listen to how he writes. He says, and feel this with me. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says to the Corinthians, do not be deceived. Neither, he says, and he gives a list, the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor, notice this, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me stop right there before I go to the next verse. Paul is not saying that if you're here and you struggle with some sin, and if you're fighting against some sin, that you are excluded from the kingdom of God. How many of y'all know we all struggle with something? How many of y'all know no one here is perfect? Paul is saying that if you live this way and there's no repentance and there's no change of heart, there's no change of mind, he says to the Corinthians, don't be deceived. If this is who you currently are, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that might sound harsh, but I'm just giving you scripture. That's what Paul says. And if Paul is inspired by the Spirit of God, this is not just Paul's statement, but this ultimately comes from God. Are y'all with me? Okay. I get that some of that's hard to swallow, but stick with me. Listen to what he says. Paul goes on to write, and I love the the language here, the the tense of what follows. He says, "And, and he says, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. Here here it comes. But you were what? You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So he's saying to the Corinthians, hey, don't don't, don't be deceived. People that live like this in this constant state, they have no inheritance, no place in the kingdom of God. He said, but but, but, but listen, that's who y'all were. This is past tense. It's who you were. But now, who are you? 
Let me paraphrase. You are new creations created in Christ for new works. Come on, y'all. We're the blood-bought, spirit-filled, adopted sons and daughters of God who are no longer in Adam doing the things of Adam. We're now in Christ, the second Adam, new creations doing brand new things. Not perfect, but we are forgiven. We're not better than, but we are different from. Can I get an amen today? Because you know it's true. You'll never be perfect, but you are called, we are called to be different. But the key words here, Paul says, but, but you were washed. You were washed. Think about that for a minute. You were cleansed. And this is something that God does on the inside. It's an inward work. Listen to what 1 Peter 3.21 says. Peter writes, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt, from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good what? A good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What he's saying here is essentially when y'all get in the water today, this is not about the water cleansing your body. When you get in the water, the water represents the purity that you now have by being in relationship with Jesus. Though we can be dirty on the outside, on the inside, through Christ, by his blood, by the spirit, we are washed and made brand new. How many of y'all know there's nothing better than a clean, forgiven, renewed conscience? I'm so thankful for the blood of Christ and the power of the spirit who has set me free and even broken me free from some of the bad memories of the stupid, sinful, dark, dumb things I did. How many of y'all are thankful for the grace of God all over your life? That, that helps you move past all of that. I'm so thankful for the grace of God in my life. As you might imagine, I have not always been a pastor. And I have a very, very dark past. And I'm so thankful, aren't you, for the grace of God in my life, freeing me, cleansing me. And, and Peter says here that w- when y'all get in the water today, it's not the water cleaning your body. That's not the point. Y'all get that, right? But the water in your act of getting in it, that's the pledge That's the demonstration that your conscience is now clean by the power of God. That's what that means. Go go, go ahead, give him praise. Thank you, God, for giving us this symbol. And watch this. Here's what it is. It is the external celebration, that is, of the internal work of God in your life. Christianity, it's been said, is it's personal, but it should never be, it should never be completely private. Does that make sense? It's personal. But if you say, well, it's just me and my private faith. I'm just, it's just me and Jesus. Actually, if you're really in Jesus, in relationship with him, he has called you, me, all of us to go public with our faith, to say we are his, I am his forever, and I want the world to know it. So I know the whole world isn't here, but this little part of the world is here today to celebrate with y'all. When you get in the water, you're identifying with Christ, saying, I'm going public with my faith, no turning back. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord, and I want Midtown to know it. See, that's what happens. I, I wish somebody had told me that years ago, because let me, let me make a confession here. Um, as a young person, I, I grew up in a church, and baptism was talked about a lot but really not the full picture. And so I didn't really understand the gospel, okay? 
And, and how many of y'all know, you've got to understand the gospel first. You've got to understand the power of the blood before you understand the power of the water. Does that make sense? So I, I knew about baptism and people talked about it and basically said, I'm going to hell if I'm not baptized. So, I mean, as a young person, I'm like, well, get me in that water. I don't want to go to hell. But I did not really know what baptism was all about. I got baptized twice as a young person, and I don't even think I was saved. Later, radically got born again. Then I got, I got radically saved and got in the water after that. And, man, I'm telling you, once I got saved and then somebody explained to me the power of baptism, I'll never forget all those years ago in that baptismal tank bearing the old Scott coming up as a brand new creation. Y'all, I'm telling y'all, today is not just another Sunday. This is a huge day for y'all. Don't ever forget what's about to happen in that water because the old you is going down and the new you is coming up. Come on, y'all. This is powerful stuff. And for those of you here who are going to get in, know that. That's what's about to happen. It is symbolic. It's the outward demonstration of an inward change in your life. So number one, baptism symbolizes your cleansing through Christ. Number two, baptism symbolizes your brand new life in Christ. Your brand new life. Let me paint the picture. If you go back to the Old Testament book of Exodus... Well, you'll read there about how God, how he called his people, Israel, to come out of Egyptian bondage. They were there for hundreds of years, generation after generation, enslaved in Egypt. And then God called a man named Moses. You know the story. Moses was called. At first he was reluctant, but initially, though he faced that, eventually he went in the power of God. And if you read the story, the people of Israel, their firstborn, were saved by the blood, but then God brought them out, led them out of Egypt. And as they're on their way out, they ran into an obstacle. What was that obstacle? The red what? The Red Sea, a big body of water. So watch this. They were, they were saved by the blood. The firstborn were spared because of the blood applied to their homes. But as they went out of Egypt, as they exited Egypt, here they are in front of this big body of water. But I love what the Bible says. Through the leadership of Moses, he raised his staff, he raised his arm, the east wind blew, the waters parted. Picture this with me. The people of God who had been in bondage walked through. The waters walled up on every side. They walked through, made it to the other side. The psalmist says that the waters crashed down on those Egyptians, their enemies, and not one of them survived. Are you getting the picture? Their past was behind them. Israel's future was ahead of them. The water crashed down on their past, thus demonstrating the power of God to set them free, to create a barrier between their future and their past. How many of y'all know God does the same thing for us? He brings you out of bondage, out of slavery, saves you by the blood, but then calls you to go through the water. And in doing so, when you go in the water, through the water, that water crashes down on your past and you come up a brand new creation, ready to walk in the power and the promises of God. Come on, Midtown. This is good stuff. I wish somebody had preached it that way to me all those years ago. But it symbolizes your brand new life in Christ. You are brand new. And I get it. Sometimes we don't feel that way. But how many of y'all know we can't live by how we feel? We have to live and trust in what God says. 
We are freed by the blood, empowered by the Spirit to walk in newness of life. And the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. This is so powerful. Look up here. He says, what shall we say then? Say to what? Well, the fact that he just talked about grace. He just talked about being in Adam and now being in Christ. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in what? In sin so that grace may increase? In other words, because God's grace is so huge, because it's so powerful, shall we continue in sin, continue doing that so that grace will be given to us and increase? Look at what he says. Next verse. Verse 2, what does he say? Shall we do that? He says, by no means. In other words, in the Greek language, I looked it up, meganoita is what's said here. In other words, in the King James Version, actually gets this right. The King James Version says, God forbid. (laughs) It's the strongest way to say, no, don't do that. So shall we continue in sin so that grace will increase in our lives? Paul says, don't even think about it, basically, is what he's saying. How many are thankful for the grace of God that's there when we do mess up? How many of y'all are thankful for the mercy of God that is brand new every day? But we should never have the attitude, well, I'm going to continue in what I've been doing so that God's grace will increase more and more in my life. Paul's saying, don't have that attitude. You are in sin, but you died to sin. You are in Adam and under Adam. You've been liberated. You've been emancipated. You're a new creation. So Paul is saying, basically, live that way. Man, y'all need to hear this. Because, and I'm not saying like I've mastered this, but I think some preaching leaves people in bondage. I needed to hear somebody get up and say 20-something years ago, Scott, you can live a victorious life of victory over sin in your life. I needed to hear that. Because all I'd ever known was bondage. Am I saying I'm perfect? Of course not. Do I still have issues? Ask my wife. Of course I do. But have I been set free by the blood of the lamb? Am I a new creation? Are you? The answer is 1 million percent yes. And I'm telling you today, you'll never be perfect, but my God, you are free so you can live like it today. Are y'all hearing me today, second service? You need to know that you can overcome addiction. You need to know that you can overcome pornography. You need to know that the power of the blood is greater than the sin in your life. Come on, y'all. Are y'all with me? Feel this with me. Man, this this is the Bible, and this, by the grace of God, is my life. And I tell y'all this all the time. If God can save me and set me free, y'all are easy. Y'all are easy. Really easy. But... We shouldn't live in sin. We died to it. Now we're called to live in him. Galatians 3, 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Did y'all get that? The language? Let me say it again. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ. Listen to the language. Have put on Christ. Now I've got this hoodie on, it says Jesus, King Jesus, and he is the king. But y'all know you can wear the shirt and have the cross and be a huge hypocrite. The cross around your neck isn't the sign that you're a Christian. 
An old pastor years ago, he told a guy who's wearing a cross but living a life of debauchery and sin, he said, why don't you swallow that cross so maybe it'll get in your heart so you'll actually live what you wear? Yeah, that. They do that. <laughs> you know? So it's not about the external paraphernalia, though I love my hoodie. I wanted to wear this today is, yeah, when, when you go in the water, when you got saved initially, you are, you are now being you're clothed in pure garments. The righteousness of Jesus is freely given to you by faith. So when y'all got saved, guess what happened? You placed your faith in Jesus. Your sin was placed on the cross. He paid for it. How many of y'all are thankful you don't have to? He did. But watch this. His perfect life that he lived. Jesus was the perfect uh, spotless lamb of God. His righteousness is given to you. Your sin to him, his righteousness to you. So as you sit, you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. You have put on Christ. You are clean from the inside out. Do y'all receive that? Do y'all receive that? Do you know that's true of you in Christ? We've put on Christ. So the picture of going down into the water and coming up is one of, I want you to picture this, symbolic for Symbolic of the righteousness that you now have by faith. That's what that water symbolizes. Finally, this is my favorite part. It's 1151, y'all. Y'all see the time? Watch this. I'm, I'm saving time for baptisms because it's going to be so powerful when we minister to you. Watch this. Baptism is like, imagine this with me. It's like a funeral service for the old you, and it's like a wedding ceremony for the new you. Does that make sense? So when you get baptized, well, the old you is symbolically buried in the water. So Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This all happened spiritually when you became a believer. But when you get in the water, the water symbolizes publicly what God has done internally. And so what that means is when you get into the water, this is a, well, it's like a, a funeral service where you put the old dead man to rest once and for all. And typically, isn't this true, at funerals we mourn, don't we? We mourn the passing of our loved ones. But this is the sort of funeral service that you can rejoice at because y'all are going to bury publicly the old you once and for all, for all here to see. It is the rejoicing that you're brand new in Christ and that your eternal future is secure in him. But it's not just that. It's that, but it's more than that. It's also like a wedding ceremony. But notice this before I speak of that. Listen, when I got saved back in August of 2000, I had friends in my life who were worried about me. They were concerned. Of, did y'all get that? They were concerned that I was following Jesus. How many of y'all know, no real friend will be concerned the day you decide to truly follow Jesus. They will celebrate with you. Right? That's what a real friend, now you give, you're patient with those, take some time to catch up, you know. 
But I had friends who were worried about me. They were concerned about me. And truth be told, they loved the old me. There was a bar in Nashville called Have a Nice Day Cafe. And I would go down and I would go on major drinking binges with my friends. We spent a lot of time down in the bars. Can you imagine your pastor in bars singing karaoke? <laughs> you had to drink to stay around to listen to that. I was addicted. I was a wreck. I was depressed, happy with a beer in my hand. But as soon as the, the, the drunkenness wore off, I was absolutely miserable. You don't have to raise your hand. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if it's not with that, it's porn or it's something else. It's the things of this world that we try to find delight in, only to see that they always let us down. But I had friends that I partied with who preferred the old me. And when I got saved and I got baptized, they were worried about me. And the question was, what happened to the old Scott? Where'd he go? And the answer is very simple. The old me died the moment I met Christ. And let me take it a step further. If you want to see the old me, if you want to talk to the old Scott, the old Scott is floating dead like a dead Egyptian in the baptismal tank at Bethel World Outreach Center at the church on the corner of Old Hickory and Granny White in Brentwood, Tennessee. The old me is there. The new me is here. And the new me is here to stay by the grace and by the power of God. And I want you to use that. If somebody ever brings up the old you and say, I like the old you, you can just tell them the old me is dead. Every now and then, the old you is going to pop his, back, his head or her head back up, and you, no, no, no. <laughs> I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but him who lives in me. And you can talk that way. Come on, it's like he's going to pop his head up. You just push him down. No, no, no. I've, I've broken up with that man. I've broken up with that woman. I signed the divorce papers in the baptismal tank. He's done. She's buried. It's over with. And you got to get that clean break in your mind to know that the old you has been severed, crucified, and buried. Boy, isn't this good? I mean, this, is so, this goes so far beyond basic, stale, dry religion that you can be a better person, you can do it. You can't do it, but Christ can. Christ sets us free from the law of sin and death. He empowers us to do what only he can empower us to do. So it's a funeral service. And for those of you who are old enough to understand this, when we get in that water... When y'all go down, we are going to party with you like it's 1999. <laughs> Younger people, I'm sorry, Google it. Um, it was a strange time back then. Are y'all with me? Let me close. Baptism is this public demonstration of an inward reality. Paul says in Romans 6, 3-4, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? It's burial, y'all. We were therefore, he says, buried, therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
So you're going to go down, that's burial, but you're going to come back up. Come on, y'all, that's resurrection. And you're coming up, and it's like what I did in May of 2004 when I stood publicly with my beautiful bride. It was one thing for me privately to tell her I love her and ask her to marry me. It was another thing altogether to go public with my commitment. And we stood there at the, uh, at the altar down the aisle that day. And publicly, I looked at her and she looked at me. And we came together in covenant. How many of y'all are thankful that that's exactly what Christ did for you? He pursued you. As the bridegroom, he pursued you, shed his blood for you, laid down his life for you. Now you're in relationship with him, and now you have the opportunity to go public, so to speak, like putting on rings to say, he is mine, I am his. We're going to walk in covenant by faith and by the power of God forever. It's you saying, by getting in the water, I want the world to know then I am in covenant with Jesus. And you're not ashamed. You're proud. How many of y'all are proud of Jesus? I'm so proud of him. There's truly no one like him. But today you get to identify with him. So the question is, all right, Pastor Scott, you got me. But what's the qualification? I see the power, the symbolic nature of it, what is the qualification to, to actually get baptized? And I want you to write this down. It's 1159. Y'all, normally I'm just getting out of my introduction, so stick with me here. <laughs> Are y'all ready for this? What is the qualification? Here it is. You have to go through at least three months of baptism classes. <laughs> Don't write that down. That's not true. Listen, I'm not being ugly toward churches who do something like that. I'm not. At least I'm not meaning to. Uh, there's a place to teach on baptism. How many of y'all know? I'm doing that right now. But sometimes we can add to Scripture heavy loads and requirements that the Bible itself does not prescribe. How many of y'all know we have to be careful not to go beyond Scripture? We all do it. We don't mean to. We're, we're, it's a process of getting better at it. I want to stick to Scripture and clearly and plainly and hopefully persuasively teach Scripture to you so you can know the Word of God and then act on it. So I'm being silly, but let me give you the real qualification. Here's what it is. Are you ready? You have to be a tithing member of this church. <laughs> you know I'm not going to let that go without mentioning something about money. Of course not! How silly and dumb is that? Of course not. But think of all the, the other silly things we can add to Scripture that we feel like we have to do to feel worthy to get in the water. Let me help you all. None of us on our own are worthy. That's the point. We're dead in sin, unable to revive ourselves. God did what we couldn't do by sending Christ to do it all for us. We just respond to him. And now, based on his blood, if you're in him, you can get in that water. He qualifies you. Specifically, what is the qualification? Let me stop being silly and just give you the truth. According to Peter, Acts 2.38, here's what he says to a captive audience. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name. What does it say? 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And on that day, 3,000 people, and that's just the men, there were more, women and children, more, but let's go to 3,000. 3,000 believed the message and were added to the church that day. How many of y'all know that's one heck of an altar call? But he says, repent. Repent. What is repentance? Well, it means fundamentally a change of mind. It means that your mind was darkened and you were walking this way apart from Christ. You're walking this way in darkness, in sin, in rebellion to your creator. And then along the way, you're walking that way, but then somebody loved you enough to share the gospel with you. (laughs) That Jesus loves you and died for you. And you're walking that way and you feel it. It's conviction. You feel it. You experience godly sorrow and you're broken over your sin. You're broken over the darkness. And as uh, one preacher says, you, you take the off ramp, you get off that lifestyle, and you go to the bottom and you do not a 360, but you do a 180. If you're going the wrong way, you don't want to do a 360. You do a 180 and you start walking. You're walking in the ways of Adam. Now, as you repent, you're walking in the way of Christ. And you're walking to Christ, trusting him, grabbing onto him, holding onto him by faith, not trusting yourself, not trusting your money, not trusting where you were raised or what you've done or the degrees by your name. You trust in Jesus and him alone. And as you do that, he saves you by his blood and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a Christian, you become one by faith in Christ, repenting, turning to him. But now, as believers, for the rest of our lives, we're going to be repenting of something till the last season of our lives. I'm not saying the same sins. I still sin, but by the grace of God, I sin less. Thank God I don't struggle today with the things I struggled with 20 years ago. How many of y'all know we all have struggles? Pascal, what's yours? You'll never know. There's nothing in my life that would disqualify disqualify me from doing this at all. But we all have sins. We all have things we battle Hey, how many of y'all know the fight against pride, it's not a war you win, it's a battle you fight. In other words, you never get to this point in your Christian life where you're like, man, I defeated pride, I'm good. How many of y'all know in saying that, you're proud? (laughs) You know, it's like you're just no win in that way. We're always going to be fighting something. There's the world, the flesh, and the devil. Man, saints, go to war. Go to war. Go to battle against those things but Peter says for us repent turn the other way and then be baptized that's the order if you're baptized as a very very young person again I'm not here to pick on that tradition but what I see in scripture is that those who are baptized were of the age of accountability and they could do just that profess faith in Christ and turn from their sin. And so today, I want to talk to you about your relationship with God. As I close, stick with me. Before I go and talk about the water, let me talk to you about the blood. Today, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, if you haven't had one, if you don't now, but you want one, You want your sin forgiven? 
You want the power to break free from the bondage and the darkness in your life? Simply, if you want God and you want a relationship with him forever, you can have that today. Come to Jesus, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to Jesus, all of you who are addicted, broken, depressed, hopeless. Come to the cross today, and I promise you will find rest. You say, Pastor Scott, if you knew how bad I was, how bad I am, you wouldn't say that. And what I'd say to you is, if you knew the power of my Savior, the power of the Savior is much more powerful than the power of your sin. My God can set you free. My Jesus can set anybody free. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Scott, I believe in God but I don't necessarily have a relationship with Jesus. I've never had that moment in my life when I've stopped, said, Jesus, I believe your word, I believe you, and repented and turned from my sin. Today, you can do that. And guess what? When that happens and you're born again, you are now qualified to get in that water. Some of you today, as mentioned, you, you've been born again for a long time, but you've never taken the next steps following Jesus to take this step to get into the water. If you haven't been baptized, Jesus loves you. I love you. I don't want you to feel coerced or pressured, but I do want you to know there is power in that water because there's power in the blood. And I want you to experience the power that Jesus has set aside for this moment for you as you get in. And so I want you to close your eyes with me. If you're here and you say, Pastor Scott, I don't have a relationship with God, but I really, really want one. I want my sins forgiven. I want the power to live a new life. And, and I'm looking to Jesus. I want Jesus to save me. With every eye closed and every head bowed. This is between really you and God, but as I speak these words, I want you to hear my words. And I pray the Holy Spirit is ministering to you right now. If you want that relationship, you can have it right now. As a matter of fact, you can have as much of God as you want by faith in Jesus Christ. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here and you say, Pastor Scott, I really want that. I want a relationship with the Lord. I want to start it today. On the count of three, I want you just to raise your hand. I want you to go public and say, that, that's me. One, two, three. Let me see your hand. That's you right now. Don't delay. Don't wait. If you know it's you, you know that that's what you want. Why wait? See, hands going up. Responding to the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you. I'm so thankful for God and his grace here. If that's you, you say, I want to I be born again today. Today, it's my first step. I want to begin a relationship. Come on, let me see your hand. This is between you and God. We start it right now. It's so good, so awesome. Right now, God's doing a work in you. We're going to celebrate it publicly in a minute, but right now, this is, don't miss this moment. Right now, personally, for you, God is doing a work. Heavy burdens are being lifted. Father, through Jesus Christ, forgive sin in this place.
forgive darkness, forgive shameful dark deeds, forgive, Lord, all that we've done, all the bad that we've done, all the good we failed to do. Lord, I pray for grace in this place. And so if your hand was up, I want you to keep your eyes closed. I'm going to give you a prayer. It's really a confession. The prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But Jesus says in his word that we must repent. We must believe. And this is your moment right now between you and God to pass from darkness into the light. And so if you had your hand lifted, I want you to say this prayer with me as your own profession of faith. And we're going to say it with you. Everyone here, come on, let's join with those that had their hands lifted. This is a powerful, personal moment for you. Come on, say it with me if you believe it. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt. You died for me. Say this with me. And I believe you rose again to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. Come on, say this with me. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And today I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and thank God heaven is now my home. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Come on, give it up for everyone. Another hand lifted. So proud of you. So, so proud. Now watch this. This has to be from the Word and by the Holy Spirit, not because I say. But Jesus says, this is your next step to be baptized. He commands it. So you don't have to wait a long time. As a matter of fact, if you raise your hand today and truly, truly place your faith in Christ, repenting of your sin, you are qualified to get in the water. You say, well, Pastor Scott, look at me. I didn't come dressed for that. I know. That's why I have shorts and a t-shirt and all the towels you need. Ladies, if you need a blow dryer, I'll go to CVS and buy you one. Hey, first world problems, right? Okay, you are qualified to get in that water. Why not today to celebrate what God has done in you? I wanna thank y'all for signing up, being ready. Come on, give it up for everyone who's already signed up. Let's go ahead.